Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Kudzu Radio Hour. So happy to be with you again today. The uh, This is Kudzu Radio Hour number 119 with Buffalo and Billy, Jim and Patrick. This podcast was recorded on Saturday, September 5th, 2020. Our topic today is going to be uh, unusual or cool musical pairings uh, live or on album or, you know, any way that we can imagine. <laughs> there have been some unusual ones throughout history for sure. The Kudzu Radio Hour is brought to you by that little old band from L.A. called the Box Masters. They have a brand new album coming out called Light Rays. It's already getting rave reviews coast to coast and around the world. Light Rays features the hit single Breathe Easy and now the second single, Light Rays, along with a box full of other great tracks. In my opinion, it's the band's best album ever. The album's going to be available on CD, vinyl, and downloads soon, very soon. Mark your calendar of the summer tour that had to be postponed because of COVID is being rescheduled for next summer, and the boys are chomping at the bit to get back out and play. Of course, everybody is. Uh, the tour is not only going to include the United States of America, but it's also going to go to Europe. So the European fans will get to see the Boxmasters. That is so cool. Read all about the new album, the tour, and much more on the website at theboxmasters.com. And follow them on social media, Facebook, and Instagram. Kudzu Radio Hour is also brought to you by the fine folks at Springer Mountain Farms. Springer Mountain Farms has fresh chicken. Fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Get more information or order online at springermountain.com. SpringerMTN.com Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, but it also tastes very, very good. I highly recommend the frozen uh, chicken breast fillets. Oh my goodness, so good. The new issue of Kudzu Magazine number 39 is out now. Uh, it it is it's one of our biggest ever, uh, and I hope you'll read it. It's free. Everything's free, free, free. My favorite price. The new issue features a cover story on the legendary Muscle Shoals songwriter Dan Penn, as well as an archival interview with a guy that he used to write with, the late Chips Moman. We resurrect an old cattail column about Dan that was written by the late John Weicker. There's an interview and feature with the hot, hot, hot new Southern rock band, Georgia Thunderbolts, and a tribute to the late Charlie Daniels by many of his friends, myself included. The first ever artist spotlight is on the Boxmasters as we count down their best songs so far. There's an article on the great unreleased Outlaws album and another article on the fabled typewriter tape recorded by Janis Joplin and Yorma Kalkinen 
back in the 60s. There is a uh, there are book reviews and tons of CD reviews and a couple of recipes for you to whip up. Music news or TV column, Southern accents, Big A's column, and a new column from Billy Eli, the unexplainable Billy Eli. All this and memories of fallen brothers. So much, so much more. Kudzumag.com is the website, kudzumag.com. If you want to write to us about the radio program or the magazine, please write to Kudzumag, and you spell it K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, Kudzumag, at yahoo.com, okay? And we would love, love, love to hear from you. Well, we're going to kick things off a little bit music before we bring the guys in. And uh, it's talking about the Boxmasters and talking about their new single, Light Rays, from the album Light Rays. So I think now is a good time to listen to that track. We'll be back with the guys here in just a few minutes. Enjoy this. I know I will. Thank you. Hi, this is Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> this is J.D. Andrew. And this is Teddy Zigzag, and we're the Boxmasters. You're listening to the Kudzu Radio Hour, the only radio show where you can hear the Marshall Tucker Band or Willie Nelson one minute. And the Boxmasters the next. And then maybe Frank Zappa, or then maybe Freebird. Or <laughs> and J.D., you didn't sound like you were reading that at all. Hey, Michael Buffalo Smith. Hey, Michael Buffalo Smith. Uh, hey, Michael Buffalo Smith. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Bubba. There you go, man. We did our best. Don't worry about 
feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. We must be over the rainbow. All right, that, of course, is the Boxmasters and their new single, Light Rays, from the album Light Rays. And you're listening to the Kudzu Radio Hour. My name is Michael Buffalo Tap Dancing Smith. I just added that part. Thank you. I want to introduce you to three guys right now who have been tapped to star in the reboot of the Three Stooges. That's right. Billy Eli, Patrick Beach, and Jim Hibbill. Certainly. All right. And uh, that being said. How you said, doing, Buff? How's everything in Spartanburg? You know, it is fine. And uh, I'm happy to say that this morning was, the temperature was in uh, down to 70. Uh We've been having like a heat index of 102, which is not something you have in Spartanburg. And of course, it drove my power bill through the roof this past month. I oh, saw yeah. it and nearly passed out. It was like twice as much. But I'm not complaining because I've been able to stay cool. And what good would it do anyway? <laughs> We're going to talk uh, later on today about uh, unusual musical pairings or or, or cool musical pairings. Um, a couple of them that probably won't show up on any of our lists or th that did happen. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne did a duet with Miss Piggy one time of Born to be Wild. <laughs> and then uh, one that, I don't know, this may, may end up on Pat's list. I don't know. Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg singing My Medicine. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying anything yet. Okay, good, good, good. I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse ahead of the cart. The cart ahead of the horse. Um, the uh, podcast is available on uh, Apple iTunes Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, and I just uh, did something the other day. I was tickled to death. Uh, if you've got an Echo device, I've got mine turned off so I can say it, Alexa. See, it's going right now, but I've got the volume turned off. If you've got an echo, you can say, Alexa, please play the Kudzu Radio Hour on Apple Podcasts. That's all you got to say, and it'll kick in. And uh, it's uh, she's actually doing it now with the volume off. I can't believe it. Uh, here's a little something new I wanted to tack on. This is September 5th, so... Just a couple of things that happened in rock and roll history today. For all I know, I always liked this. It always fascinated me. Uh, in uh, September 5th, uh, on this day, why I failed to put the year, I don't know, but the Rolling Stones recorded their eighth single, Get Off My Cloud, at RCA Studios in Hollywood, which went to number one. This is one of our favorites right here, 1966, on this date. The Birds played their first of 11 nights, 11 night run at the Whiskey Go Go in Hollywood. 11 sold out nights. Damn, that's not Birthdays good. today, all in the same year. All born in 1946. Buddy Miles, 
of the Jimi Hendrix uh, Band of Gypsies. Freddie Mercury from Queen and one of my personal favorites, Loudon Wainwright III. All born today and only one of them still alive. But uh, we'll never forget these, uh, these great talents for sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, um, just getting right into the meat of everything here. It's time to do our recommendations, a book, a movie, and a recording. Who wants to go first? Anyone? Not me. Not me. I hadn't made my Bueller. <laughs> Bueller. How about Patrick I Beach? I, I won't be, yeah, I'm going right. to make my, I'm going to make my list after I hear Yeah, Patrick. of course. I know. We've learned how that works. <laughs> All right. Well, uh since I'm the teacher's pet and I always you do are. my homework, I'll take it off. I'll take it off. My my uh my music pick is from about three years ago and it's from one of my favorite punk rock bands of all time Husker Du uh, the, it's called Savage Young Du it's a box set of unreleased uh, rarities from their before their very first album and it's it's for completists if, if any of you uh, aging punk rockers out there you know haven't listened to everything else that Husker Du has done do that first and then work your way back to these very, very early sessions because they sounded a lot different. I was talking about the Manchester, England factory record scene last week, and some of their earliest stuff sounds a good bit like uh, uh, Joy Division or New Order. It's just astonishing, and they left almost all of it behind. A few of these tracks turned up as early as their first record land speed record up to i believe metal metal circus but out of those three discs of material there's no more than five or six tracks that even i was familiar with and i am an obsessive who's Du fan to be sure so the set is called savage young do by a very young band from minneapolis called who's Du. uh the book is also two, three, four years old, the first volume of Ed Ward's History of Rock and Roll. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ed is a longtime music journalist. He's worked for everybody, including Rolling Stone. He lived for many, many years, if not decades, in Berlin, and now he's back in Austin. This book, uh, it takes a while to get into because it's so deeply researched and it's loaded with names, and it begins in 1920. Why? Well, because you got to talk about the minstrel scene. You got to talk about race records. You got about country. Talk about country music. Everything, every form of popular music in America that got stirred into this enormous gumbo that uh, became how, rock and roll. How far back does it go, Pat? It, it begins in 1920. Okay. And it's it's uh, it, it, he's not like a. He's not exactly a musical anthropologist like Robert Johnson was in Deep Blues or anything like that, but he, he does a ton, a ton of research. He's got a really good eye for a lively anecdote and following trends, which trends begat other trends and things like that. So it begins in 1920 and it ends in 1963, not with a particular musical moment, although toward the end of the book, he's talking about Motown, but it basically ends with the Kennedy assassination. That's the first that's the first volume. I haven't read the second wow. volume. Yeah. It's it's a hell of a book and Jim I see you're nodding. Uh, yeah, that was that was uh, yeah. right. Yeah. How many how many volumes did you say there are, Pat? He's got two done. 
and I don't know I don't know anything about the second because I haven't read it. I haven't read the second either. Uh, yeah, it is it is highly detailed and full of facts. Wow. Yeah, I like that. I mean, the 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 reporting he does is so very very dense, but he writes it in a sort of lively, uh, provocative, rock critic way. So it's fun. And the movie just came out last weekend. I oh. uh, I watched it. Uh, last Sunday, the day after we last met digitally here. It's called, for those of you who have HBO Max or somebody else's HBO Max password, <laughs> it's, it's called Class Action Park. It's about an amusement park in the 1980s in New Jersey that was a freaking death trap. <clears throat> it was owned by this guy who owned a ski resort in South Jersey, but he figured out that the ski season was so short, it was really hard to make money. So he repurposed part of this land into an amusement park and designed a lot of the rides himself. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> even, even though he had, he had no kind of engineering background. Okay. So it's, it's for kids, right? So it, there's, there's water stuff, there's go-karts, there's boats you can drive, yada, yada, yada. And half the park was on one side of I-95 and half of the other or the other half was on the other side of I-95 and and kids were running the rides for kids so of course there were no rules whatsoever but this thing was built to kill people and it did one of the first rides he designed was uh, like a big completely enclosed black piece of PVC pipe that went down and then did a complete enclosed loop and shot you out into the water at such velocity that you basically got your first enema as soon as you <laughs> hit the water. But wait, there's more. Just with this attraction alone. Re you're... Re really, man? There's more? <laughs> After the brutal industrial enema? <laughs> yeah. they, 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 des they designed this, this PVC loop. You're looking into it, and it's like looking into a black hole. And they sent uh, life-size dummies down it and they start they started coming out in pieces so they're like okay this isn't good this isn't good and they redesigned it a little bit and then they tested it on employees at the park the owner would give them a hundred dollars a piece to go down and they would go down and they would loop the loop and then they would shoot out and get their enema gave them each a hundred dollars to try it out after about three or four of their uh uh subjects <laughs> crash test dummies if you will right. they know they noticed these kids were coming out bloody and that's because the first few kids were hitting the top of that enclosed loop and getting teeth knocked out which were stuck inside the tube and then cut, and then cut yeah. the kids uh -huh. yeah and there were all kinds of other crazy things like the go-karts had governors on them and the kids would figure out how to like dissipate. how to bypass <laughs> the governor yeah right uh, same thing with the boats they had a they had a freshwater wave pool and at least two if not three kids died in that and they were subject to a whole bunch of lawsuits the owner had uh had a connection with this wall street venture capitalist guy and he was all too happy to open his checkbook and, and pay for whatever this lunatic's next idea was but there was another uh manhattan financier who came down and had a look and he said oh man no this is just too dangerous this guy's name was donald j trump <laughs> It was too dangerous for Trump. <laughs> so that's my movie, Class oh, Action Park. And I got a friend 
who grew up in Jersey. And while I was watching that, I was like, I'll bet Bill went to Action Park. And I sent him a note. I sent him a text while we were watching the movie. And I said, I'll bet you went here, didn't you? And he said, oh, yeah, every summer. And every word of that movie is true. They would go back to school, like on Monday, <clears throat> during the, the warm months. And if you were banged up or bruised or cut or whatever, somebody would say, so did you go to Action Park? Or did you have surgery this weekend? <laughs> That's oh. my three. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to... Hang on. Uh, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking up Action Park. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Even Cla- as we class, speak. Cl- class Action Park. Class no, action. no. I, I'm not not the movie. I'm looking up the actual park. <laughs> it wants to oh, go. Yeah. It wants to get a gig there. Um, it, was, it was in Vernon, New Jersey. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, um... Okay, I'm going to go ahead and do mine because uh, God only knows what may happen in the coming hour. Um, the um, <laughs> You never know. Record-wise, I have been on a, a real binge now, probably for over a month, of uh, Maria McKee and all that stuff. So I went back to revisit the original Lone Justice album. That's my record this week, Lone Justice debut, 1985, and uh, not a bad song on it. Some of my favorite Lone Justice songs are on there. Ways to Be Wicked, I just love. East of Eden, Don't Toss Us Away, which was later made a country hit by Patty Loveless, for goodness sakes. Sweet, Sweet Baby, and You Are the Light, and of course, Soap, Soup, and Salvation. What a, I don't know. Somebody was drunk when they wrote that song. <laughs> but it's uh it's really cool and uh just a highly energetic album with a great band great players all of them are just fantastic lone justice and um i know there's not a snowball's chance in hell of them ever reuniting especially since maria's gone off somewhere <laughs> but uh, i wish i wish they would it would be cool uh, book is not going to come it's too much of a surprise to people who know me. But I have uh, went back and pulled this one out to re- read again. Um, and it is a book by Billy Bob Thornton called Cave Full of Ghosts. His biography, which was written in conjunction with Kiki Friedman. What they did was they sat around on the porch, Kiki and Billy Bob and... Two or three other guys drinking massive amounts of beer with a tape recorder running and Kinky would just prod him with questions. And uh, that's how the book became, you know, that's how he came to tell it. Tell it. So it's, real, it's really a, full of southern colloquialisms. And he also put a disclaimer in there. Um, if you don't, if you're offended by cursing, this is not the book for you. Because he, he, uh, he just, you know, curses all the way through the thing, for goodness sakes. But it is so good. And oddly enough, his ex-wife, Angelina Jolie, wrote the foreword and said some really wonderful, nice things about him. And then they had all these people throughout the book. They have people <clears throat> saying things about him, like Billy Gibbons and uh, Robert Duvall, Dwight Yoakam, etc., etc., etc. So it's a fun book, Cave Full of Ghosts. <laughs> Subtitled the Billy Bob Tapes, which is my book. Movie. 
I went back to watch a uh, movie that uh, I had not seen in a while. Now, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm going, now, did I talk about this last time? I, I sure hope not. If I did, it's the same movie again. Um, it's that good. No, it's, uh, it's that good. Dances with Wolves, 1990. America, uh, American epic western starring, directed by and produced by Kevin Costner in his directorial debut. Uh, an adaptation of the 1988 book of the same name by Michael Blake. Of course, it's a Union Army Lieutenant John Dunbar who travels to the American frontier to find a military post and his dealings with a group of Lakota Indians. Uh, the original movie was three hours. I watched the director's extended cut, which is three hours and 45 minutes too much movie i think uh even the original cut maybe could have been edited a little bit but it's really good good acting all the way around i got i got into the kevin costner mode after watching yellow uh yellowstone and when i found out that he was also a singer songwriter he's got a band called kevin costner in modern country and they're not actually bad. He's I, a good I, singer, I was, and he's a good listen, songwriter. He's a, he's a solid songwriter and yeah. a good, solid singer, and he's got a real good band playing on his record. Really does. I mean, it's a, you know that it's not always that way. I'm putting together an article for Kudzu right now of uh, actors who are also singers in, in relation to singers who are also actors. Which might make a show for us at some point. Um, might be interesting. Because I've seen some good ones. I mean, you know, actually, Johnny Depp's got that band with Alice Cooper and the Hollywood Vampires. And, uh, you know, you think Johnny Depp, you don't necessarily think great musician, but he's a, he's a pretty good singer. And um, we got all those other guys in the band, stuff like that. And, of course, I, I met um, Kevin Costner. And his brother, one time, they've got a band. Um, they played at a little club in Spartanburg years ago. It's crazy. All kinds of guys are out there. And then there's William Shatner. And we won't even talk about that. He's got a new album coming out. Yeah, he does. You, talk, you, you <laughs> mentioned it. Yeah. He can't. He's uh okay. As he, if, I love him as Captain Kirk. I'm going to. Here's what. I want to I wanna re respond to. uh to Pat's movie, and then I have to take a 10-minute break. It's my only time in the week I can talk to Griffey, so okay. I'm going I'm to do that. But before, this is uh, this is from their wiki page, Action Park. Action Park's popularity went hand-in-hand -hand with a reputation for poorly designed uh. rides, under-trained <laughs> and under-age staff, and, uh -huh. here, and here it is, intoxicated guests and staff, uh -huh. and a consequently poor safety record. Yep. Six, yep. Pe six people died in the park. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I got, I got more movie news for you, Buff. You were talking about the director's cut of Dance. I'll be right back. Uh, just this week, Francis Ford Coppola announced that he's going to resequence and recut The Godfather Part 3. It's going it's to be called Mario Puzo's The Death of Michael Corleone. 
and uh and i would welcome a chance to see that because it's it's a very very uh flaccid end to uh, a trilogy that should have been absolutely amazing what's really encouraging what's really encouraging to me is that supposedly um jar jar binks is going to do sophia coppola's part (laughs) so uh yeah Yeah. so yeah oh good that's interesting yeah all right jim all right well um i when we sat down and started this i just realized i hadn't picked a record so what i did was i went i dialed up my phone uh, and opened up my itunes or apple music or whatever went through the artists which are in alphabetical order till i came to one i thought would do so this is how much thought i put into it so my album is 1997 first studio release from uh the backsliders called throwing rocks at the Ah, nice what a great record produced by pete anderson hey y'all hear that Hey, what was that? Did y'all hear that? I uh, I lost. I, I couldn't hear you for a minute. Well, I got a terrible buzzing in the audio. I I think I might have unplugged my uh, headphones. Oh, okay. We might Buff might have to edit that out or something. Yeah. 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 It, it Sorry about that. That was that was me. That was me. Because it's so, time for one of these. So anyway. Uh, so, 1997 released by the Backsliders, Throwing Rocks at the Moon, produced by Pete Anderson, obviously uh, Dwight Yoakam's guitarist for years, excellent producer as well. Uh, Chip Robinson, frontman, wrote some great uh, country rock songs, great playing. The record, the guitar tones on the record are fantastic. Uh, and uh, I haven't really followed the backsliders much. My understanding was that lineup that made Throwing Rocks at the Moon didn't stay together for a whole, for a real long time, but they did play South by Southwest the year it came out. And uh, I remember seeing them at Waterloo Records here in Austin, and they just sounded terrific. Uh, you know, they were one of those bands where no one was a great player, but those guitar players both must have learned a lot about tone from Pete Anderson because they sounded mm-hmm very much like they sounded on record and it's just a, a terrific record throwing rocks at the moon by backsliders so that's my record for this week um let's see here let me look at my notes and uh let's go to a book next my book is by an author named jonathan tropper who's written several books. Uh, he's kind of, you know, if he's kind of in the vein of a, of a Nick Hornby or a Tom Parada. And the, this book that I'm picking is called The Book of Joe. And it's, it's, it's I thought it was funny as hell. Um, it's about a guy named Joe who grew up in a small town. He leaves the small town, gets all fancy educated, writes a best-selling book that is a thinly veiled uh, account of his hometown and not very flattering account of his hometown. The, the classic Roman Alclay. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and, and, then uh, he's, he's, and it was a huge hit. It was a huge, the book was a huge hit. 
he's having trouble writing his second novel when um, his father has a stroke and he has to go back to his hometown. And the reception he gets in his hometown is not very friendly. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, he gets beat up, he gets stuff thrown at him, his car gets bashed in, it, 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 but it's hilarious. It's really funny. Uh, and, uh, you know, Proper is not a, is not, you know, a, a, a writer for all time, but he is a, a, a decent enough stylist that, you know, I, I, I consider it kind of, it, it's what I would call for me like a beach book or a vacation book. Uh, it's, it's light reading, but Amazon calls it, what did they call it? A, uh, uh, eh, let me see if I can find it. Um, well, they called it like psychological fiction or something like that, which I do not think that's a, don't think that's a very, uh, very good description of it. But, um, one of the things that Trop, one of the ways that Tropper writes is that he, he writes very cinematically in that you can, he writes books that like are begging to be made into movies. And I know that the book of Joe has been optioned two or three times. No, no movie has ever been made of it, but it is, it's, it's definitely the kind of book that you can see on the screen and staying with that theme. My movie is one that the screenplay was written by, and it's based on a book by Jonathan Tropper, and it's called uh, "This Is Where I Leave You." <laughs> this is where "This Is Where I Leave You" is. It also uh, is uh, has the theme of people returning to their hometown because of a family tragedy. This is the a bunch of siblings return uh, to to their home because of the death of their father, and they all get together for the first time in in a long time. And it's an enjoyable movie. It's it's not great. Uh, it's not a dude movie, and it's not a chick movie. It's the kind of movie that you can just sit down with your significant other and watch. The cast is better than the movie. It's a it's an enjoyable, watchable movie. The cast is is fantastic. Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Adam Driver, Rose Byrne, Corey Stoll, Catherine Hahn, Connie Britton, Dax Shepard, Jane Fonda. I mean, fantastic cast. Where can uh, we see this? That's a good question. You can see it. It came out in 2009. I'm assuming it's on one of the... It was on Netflix when I saw it. Um, so I'm assuming it's still on Netflix, but it's been a while since I've seen it. You know how things go on and off Netflix. Uh, but uh, it got kind of a mixed reaction, but the cast is just so good uh, that, uh, that it's, uh, you know... Corey Stoll, I think, is completely underrated. If you've ever seen House of Cards. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, Lord, yeah. if you haven't, you should. But uh, particularly the first two or three seasons, it kind of yeah. goes weird after that. But uh, Corey Stoll is the guy who plays the, can I spoiler, the ill-fated congressman. Oh, yeah. Uh, the bald guy. Mm. Great actor. He's, He's good. Very, very good. He's very, very good in this. And, you know, Jason Bateman is, is is always fun to watch just about and tina fey and adam driver and connie Britton. it's just it's just a really it's it's a it's, it's a nice something you can sit down and have a couple drinks and, and watch in an evening so that's the movie it's called this is where i leave you 
And Billy has left us. And this is where I've Billy has left us. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We'll just move right into our um, our our primary topic for today, which is. Well, uh, I'm sorry. Can I say one other thing? I'm sorry. Of course you can. I meant to make a comment on 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 Pat's uh, music choice, the Savage Young Do Box. It is fantastic. Uh, and what's really interesting about it is this is really really early Husker Do. And it shows a phase of the band that isn't really represented on their early records. Absolutely. Absolutely. Patrick's exactly right that it, you know, they were, it, it may be a little more accessible than when they got into the kind of loud, fast rules, hardcore thing of their first couple of records. It's a lot more accessible than Land Speedbreaker, to be sure. Exactly. It sounds exactly. better. It, it's, and it's, it's, it's got some melody and they were kind of, I think they were trying to find a sound and, you know, when they started making their great records uh, that will live forever, uh, starting with uh, uh, Zen Arcade and, and going on through my favorite New Day Rising and Wig and all those records. Uh, you can, this is just like a chapter that, that was really illuminating. So if you're a Who's Do fan, it really, check it out because it's not just more of their, their hard, heavily hardcore influence stuff like you hear on their early records. It's a completely different sound. A it lot really of is. Different sound. It really is. And uh, Mold didn't even write about some of those early tracks in his autobiography, See a Little Light. Yeah. This is true. this is a, a this is something that almost nobody knew about. Yeah. You know. Yep. You know. Yep. That's true. Okay. Sorry. Thanks for. I see Billy you. standing back there. Well, I did for a second. <laughs> So anyway, our topic for today is unlikely musical pairings, which um, I didn't specify really as much as I should have. Unlikely musical pairings could, also, could, could, could be something that's great or something that sucks. Uh, in, in, the, in our personal opinion, individual personal opinion, of course. Because um, a couple of mine are just really bad musical pairings and a couple of mine are really interesting and cool musical pairings um that being said i'm not gonna go first i'm gonna uh i'm gonna say jim since you're already warmed up why don't you go sure. ahead and talk all right all right well i'll go ahead my first one is kind of it's kind of uh, kind of weird way to approach this um because the pairing happened before anyone really knew about it. But um, it starts with a, a guitar player from a West Coast psychedelic band uh, who had a big hit in the 60s with a, with a very cool fuzz tone lead guitar sound. Uh, and this guitar player a few years later, ends up in the quintessential Southern rock band. And how in the world is this psychedelic guitar player from Southern California going to fit in with a bunch of bunch of Southern rockers from uh, Gainesville, Florida? But you you hear how it turned out that the guitar player is Ed King and the band is uh, Leonard Skinner and just listen to the solos on Sweet Home Alabama, if you want oh, to Oh, yeah. That. Ed King was the lead guitarist in the Strawberry Alarm Clock. Yes, he was. Who had, who had a big hit called Incense and Peppermints back in the 
60s and you can hear him playing buzz tone psychedelic guitar all over that track and who would have thunk that he would end up uh playing those tremendous solos in sweet home alabama several years later obviously the pairing didn't last forever because he ended up leaving the band before give me back my bullets but it was it was an unusual pairing that it's it's just one of my favorite little trivia things that the same guy played lead guitar on Incense and Peppermints and Sweet Home Alabama, which are two songs that you really wouldn't associate with each other. Nope. Well, nope. I just got nope. a tack on here, if you don't mind. I, I've got a sure. tack on that Ed was a good friend of mine, uh, and when he passed away, it nearly, it really broke my heart. But he was a, uh, I actually played with him a few times, and he was a guitar genius. If he had never written anything other than the intro to Sweet Home Alabama, Yep. Uh, which he made a fortune off of. Thank you, Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but we talked about an alarm clock, and at one of our one one time we were hanging out, and I whipped out my Strawberry Alarm Clock album and asked him to sign it. And he goes, "Oh, please, Michael." <laughs> so, but he signed it, and then we were talking about when he was a movie star. Yes. Strawberry Alarm Clock was featured in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Mm. And, uh, Is that they, right? Yeah, they were the featured band in that movie. And they're all wearing their paisley flowered shirts and everything. There's Ed, and I'm like, this is the same guy that played with Leonard Skinner. So it is pretty bizarre. But uh, <laughs> that being that said, go ahead. Isn't that the movie that Roger Ebert wrote? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, my, my next one is something I just saw a couple weeks ago. Uh, I have said on the on the on the program before that I'm a, a major league fan of the Clash. And uh, uh, last month, sometime there was a celebration of Joe Strummer's birthday, and it was done virtually online with a bunch of artists covering Clash and Mescaleros songs. Um, uh, and at the very end, what the, the prime mover and shaker behind this is a guy named Jesse Mallon, who was in a band called Degeneration, which was kind of a New York Dolls influenced band. And, and uh, Mallon, I think he still uh, runs a bar in the East Village that has a big mural of Joe Strummer out, outside. Yeah, I've been there. I have too. I went there after seeing the New York Dolls and drank Talisker Scotch. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so it's a series of a series of uh, of covers, and um, at the very end, you've got uh, Jesse Mallon uh, doing uh, "Death or Glory" from uh, from uh, uh, London Calling. Calling, and <laughs> there's this guy playing with him with this long white hair and big bushy mustache, and you're like. Wait a minute, that's Bob Weir, Grateful <laughs> Dead, playing with this New York City punk rocker playing a Clash song, and it was awesome. It was really, really good. And I he thought, was he was near the top of the bill on that flyer I sent you. Uh, and so seeing Bob Weir and and Jesse Mallon playing a Clash song was was my second one, and it was cool. It was cool. the The next one I'm gonna is, I think it's in the spirit of this. And uh, I think I've also mentioned before that I am a fan of the music of 
the great American answer to the Beatles, which was the Monkees. And yeah. uh, the, the Monkees, a couple, three, four years ago, I don't know, time flies, put out a new record called Good Times. And um, the odd pairing is the three surviving at that point, Monkees, before, before Peter Tork died, and the people who wrote songs for that record. Because you go down the list of songwriters, Ben Gibbard for, from Death Cab for Cutie, uh, Paul Weller of The Jam, Noel Gallagher of Oasis, um, uh, God, I should I should write these down because I get my senior moments. The guy from XTC, Andy Partridge from XTC. Andy Partridge, yeah. Uh, and the and the album was produced by the late Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne, who died of the Rona. Who died of the of of the COVID, and um, there are some really really top notch tunes on that record. Particularly, there's a song called uh, "Birth of an Accidental Hipster" that was a co-write. Of, between Paul Weller and Noel Gallagher, which is an interesting team. And then there's a beautiful song called Me and Magdalena that's written by Ben Gibbard. And I'm not a big Death Cab for Cutie fan, but that song is is awesome. So to get those people together and do that was was really cool. So if you haven't, if you like your, if you like your pop music and you like your uh, faux British invasion stuff, you might want to check that out. My next one I'm not sure how unlikely this pairing was, but it was so good that I had to list it. And it was the one-off ensemble that called itself Automatic Baby. And that was uh, a combination of the two records by the two bands that got together at the time, Automatic for the People and Octung Baby. It was um, from R.E.M., Mike Mills and Michael Stipe, from U2, uh, Larry Mullen and Adam Clayton. And they got together and did a live version of U2's song One from, uh, from Octoon Baby. And Michael Stipe freaking owned that song. Just <sighs> incredible. Uh, Mike Mills played acoustic guitar uh, uh, since there were two bass players on the stage, Mills and, and Adam Clayton. Mills played acoustic guitar and did great harmonies. That Stipe Mills harmony thing, you know, just just works. And uh, you know, Adam played bass and, and Larry played congas, and it's just it's a great song. And hearing Stipe sing it instead of Bono, it just brought a different dimension to the song. Uh, and it you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's it's just it was it was great. It was really really cool. They were probably the two biggest rock bands on the planet at the time. And uh, to see those guys together was, was really, really cool. So I've got one more. So last week, I will admit to having thrown a little bit of shade at Brian Adams. Uh, <laughs> and, and now he's going to redeem himself. And, I can't and, wait. And also, I, was, I think I was wrongly accused of maybe throwing a little shade at Bruce Springsteen. I don't know. I don't know. No, that's, that's a rap that's going to stick. You did it, and, man. You did it. And so, uh, and so my last unexpected musical combination is Bruce Springsteen and Brian Adams. Of course. 
there is, and I don't know if it's from a long form video or what, but it's it's very pro shot. So it mu there must be a long form Brian Adams concert out there with this on. I, I know what you're talking about. It, it, it's from some benefit concert. And Springsteen, it's Brian Adams' band. Yeah. It's a Brian Adams show. Right. And Springsteen comes out and they do cuts like a knife. Right. Go. And uh, I'm sorry. Hold on, man. I'm trying to get my brain. Up. I'm I'm trying to get my mind to accept that. Give me just a minute. And and uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a, a Brian Adams fan, uh, but that's actually not a bad song. I mean, back in the MTV days, they had that video with the empty swimming pool and the the woman in the black one-piece swimsuit and they played it constantly 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 and so you get a little sick of it but springsteen and adams are doing are doing cuts like a knife together and i'm kind of sitting there i can't remember how i ran across it on youtube but i'm sitting there looking at it just shaking my head and like am i seeing this, uh -huh. Is this really bruce springsteen and brian adams and springsteen seems to sings a verse a couple verses and it's uh <laughs> it's pretty, it's unexpected and it's pretty good it's pretty good. Yeah. So I've got to, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know what in the world happened to bring those two together. I mean, Springsteen played with lots of folks. But you got to think that there was black magic involved. <laughs> I mean, yeah. every time he comes There was Austin, a witch involved. Every time he comes to Boston, he has Joe Ely play with him. And he's, you know, and he's, he's shared the stage with, you know, members of just about every band you could think of. But I never would have guessed Brian Adams and Bruce Springsteen. But it's it's there and it's pretty good. So there you go. There's my five. Well, I'm going to go next, and I, the reason I'm going to go next is because you talking about Springsteen and um, trying to redeem yourself for saying that he sucked last week. Um, no, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. The <laughs> some of us some of us inferred that. <laughs> Um, by which by which I mean me. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I um and it wasn't even about Springsteen, it was just about Thunder Road, right? It of course it was. <laughs> it was. It was. I um when you mentioned that, Jim, you uh, it made me want to do a Billy Eli and rewrite my list all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean there's a song this uh billy never billy never rewrites he just writes he just writes. makes it up as he goes yeah there was one that came out though in the early 80s probably 81 springsteen that i recently pulled it back out and was listening to it it was the gary u.s bonds album dedication and bruce and uh and gary sing a song called joe le blonde I was and, yeah, that wasn't on my list, but I remember when that was a great that. song. And then the Cajun Waltz, yeah, Jolie Blonde, a Cajun Lady, and then the whole album has got the East Street Band. They're back in Gary S. Bonds, so it's kind of cool. But that's not even on my list. My list starts with the worst collaboration ever. <laughs> Just a terrible, terrible idea. Metallica and Lou Reed. Uh, and the album uh, Lulu. Was it bad? Oh god. Well, if bad is bad is not good enough word. You know, man, I just I don't see anything in those 
two styles, There's, man, that, that even kind of connect with each other. No, not at all. I don't know whose idea that was, but it was not a good idea. Now, on the other hand, that's number five. On the other hand, one that I thought was a pretty good idea. I remember I was with my parents and watching at Christmas time. The Bean Crosby, you know it, Christmas special, when Bowie You're comes out. You just fucking killed one of mine, man. Little Drummer, Little Boy, Drummer and Boy, Peace on, and Peace on Earth medley, where they're singing together, and it was just brilliant. Do you know every year at Christmas, I have to listen to that song at least once. There's a that I have a Christmas playlist, and that's on there. That's my number one, and my number two is Blues Traveler, and a song called Christmas that John Popper sings, and it's just so cool. So I have like this rock and roll Christmas thing going. Uh, anyway, that one was great. Another one that was surprisingly good was when Alice in Chains teamed up with Elton John. Yeah. For a song called Black Gives Way to Blue in 2009, Alice in Chains, of course, one of the most popular of the grunge bands of the 90s. They had a tragedy when the lead singer, uh, Lonnie Stanley, died of a drug overdose uh, in 2002. Seven years later, the remaining members teamed up with Elton John, and uh, they did the song Black Gives Way to Blue in tribute to their fallen singer. And it's a pretty good song. Um, Elton has been known to pair up with, you know, some that didn't work out, like Eminem and things like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that didn't work out. No, that was not that was not good. Not good. Number two is from the album by Pat Boone <laughs> called In a Metal Mood in which Pat is backed up <laughs> by Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple and Dweezil Zappa. Yeah, baby. I'm now sorry, we're... man. I have a really bad headache <laughs> yeah. hearing you say that. Pat actually yeah. covered Alice Cooper's I, No I, More Mr. Nice Guy. I'll be right back, man. I got to get some oxygen. Yeah, I got to have an Advil. <laughs> Number two was also not good. I happen to have a bootleg recording of the one concert. When my alarm's going off, please forgive me. Okay. The, uh, the one concert by the Allman Brothers Band. There were numerous concerts where Dickie was just not able to play for certain reasons like not being able to stand up. So at this one, they incorporated Mr. Zach Wild to play in his stead. My bootleg is called Wild Mushrooms. So Zach played with the Almond Brothers band. He came in to rehearse. Warren Haynes told me the story. They came in, he came in to rehearse and they said, do you know you know, this song, that song, etc. And they said, uh, do you know the song Dreams? And he goes, oh yeah, the song by Molly Hatchet? 
which course Greg rolled his eyes so hard they had they went across the room. He had to pick them up and put them back in the sockets. He, he, he sprained his eyes. <laughs> he sprained his eyes. Hard. Exactly. <laughs> the concert itself was Zach Wild. They said he was. First of all, he was playing. Uh, yeah, he's a big Almond Brothers fan, so he knew all the songs, supposedly. But they got out there playing. And he cranked it up to 11, and he had his Rebel Flag guitar where he'd nail the Budweiser caps into the body of the guitar. God. And he's jumping around, spitting on the audience, nice. jumping up on top of the monitors, uh, grabbing, uh, you know, uh, yeah, a cowboy hat and slamming it down on Warren's head while Warren's trying to sing. Just doing all kinds of crazy Aussie stuff, you know. He's used to Aussie. He's not used to Greg Allman. So anyway, Almond Brothers and Zach Wild. Okay, my number I kinda, one. I kind of feel like if you're going to keep going down this road, I'm going to need to take a break and go put on a jock and a and a, and a cup. I think you you probably do need to. You already said you were suffering from a groin injury, so uh, I felt like it was probably just from too much masturbation. But the uh, number one. Can I say that? Can I say that, folks? Can I say yeah, that? You don't say that, man. It's a goddamn family show. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's Remember, right. they've yeah. already warned us twice. Hey, yeah, at least my, I... my wife's out of town, all right? Don't knock my hobbies. <laughs> Is that what you call it, knocking your hobby? Um, that's what the kids are calling it these days, knocking our hobbies. Uh, uh, bumping, knocking boots or something. I don't know. My number one is a good one. Um, actually, it's a pretty darn great one. It was a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Don't read ahead, folks. 2004, um, they were paying a tribute to George Harrison. And uh, they played While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Now, uh, George's wife asked it only George's friends play on this. Uh, so they had Tom Petty singing, Jeff Lynn, Steve oh, Winwood, uh, George's son, Donnie Harrison. But then the powers that be wanted Prince, who had just been inducted, to play. And she was like, well, I guess, you know, George didn't know him. But while all the vocals and everything was perfect, uh, as anybody that's seen this on YouTube can attest, uh, when the purple one stepped forward to play lead, it was like Jimi Hendrix reborn. Uh, he Prince just completely dominated the entire thing and just, I don't know, I've he, never seen he, him play any better, ever. And he, he's hanging back for the whole tune. Yeah, he was. And, he just stepped, then... stepped up at the end. They didn't know what he was. They did not rehearse that, so yeah. they didn't know what Prince, you know, was going to play or when or anything. It was just uh, when he stepped forward, it's time for his lead, you know. So that was it. Uh, I've got to say, uh, I have. I know I always break the rules, but I've got three honorable mentions. One oh, of them good. that we're playing to close the program today is from Bob Dylan's 30th anniversary 
and it's uh, my back pages with Bob Dylan. All these guys sing a verse. Dylan, Neil Young, Tom Petty, Roger McGuinn, George Harrison, and of course Eric Clapton. And then that live thing, uh, Prince played a solo on it, man, that was smoking hot. Yeah, there, yeah. There's a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of like what I was just saying. The, yeah. uh, the, uh, the, it was. Uh, yeah, it was a lot like it. Another interesting uh, thing that I found that I did not know was that, uh, I don't know if any of you have heard of a, a musician named Mike Watt. Oh yeah, uh, played yeah. with oh, the Stooges yeah. and also with the Minutemen. He played, fire hose. Fire yeah, hose. he played bass on. <laughs> he was the bass player on Kelly Clarkson's album My December, uh -huh. on yeah. the entire album. And uh, I'm like, okay, that's cool. And another really cool one that uh, that somebody you know this is probably on Billy's list, but yeah. Was when Bob Dylan and Johnny Cash did uh, "Girl from the North Country" on Nashville skyline. I thought that was very cool too. Um, that was, that but anyway, enough of that. Uh, oh, now, Billy, do you have it, or you want to go last again? No, I'll go now. Has, okay. Uh, has anybody done the Clint Eastwood? Song? No, that we, we're saving that because you'd already mentioned you were going to do that. Well, two, two of he's two of my choices. And one of them is with Merle Haggard uh, from the sound, movie soundtrack Bronco Billy, uh, Barroom Buddies of Mine, and yeah, it it, it really uh, it, it everybody ought to pull that up and listen to it just to hear the contrast between Haggard man, <laughs> who had that soulful, you know, multi thick voice and 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 he's singing a thing and then his line is followed by Eastwood. So, you know, you, you got Merle Hackard singing, Hey, I want to sing till the feeling gets right. And then Eastwood goes, so let's harmonize. Yeah. Our <laughs> real buddies. And that's the best kind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he, and he kind of, yeah, he sings it like, yeah. And, and um, such a and great then, singer. Uh, he's my, he's my fifth and my fourth one is the one with Ray Charles from, uh, <laughs> From the any uh, any which way you can soundtrack where they do uh, it would only work on on this song. The song is called "Beers to You." Yeah, yeah, exactly. I bought the forty five of that with a picture it, sleeve. It would it would only work on "Beers to You, Old Mio," and you know, and again, Ray Charles, really soulful voice, you know, um, and and the opening line is is Ray Charles singing. When Uncle Sam called us up, we hit that eastern sand. We fought like hell for three long years in that South Asian land. And then Clint comes in. And a few foreign ladies. We drank a lot of lukewarm beer. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, them two. And uh, and you mentioned Sesame Street. So I altered my list because just <laughs> I, thought that, I thought this was a, a bit of inspired kind of nonsense. Y'all remember the pop band from uh, the 90s? And I think they're still around. They didn't have a lot of hits, but they they were huge for a couple years. Uh, the Spin Doctors? Oh, yeah. Lord, yeah. I, I, I don't know very much about the band other than they were like a New York City cross between like a pop and a jam band. And, they, and their big huge hit was uh, Little Miss uh, Can't Be Wrong. 
Yeah, yeah. And they did a duet on Sesame Street with the count doing Little Miss Count along, and they would stop and count in the middle. I wish I'd seen that. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a brilliantly inspired little piece of, of kind of crazy, and uh, and then I, and I didn't uh, for my uh, top pick uh, Willie Nelson, and I missed. I had to go take a call from Griffey, but. Uh, one of my, my album this week was going to be an album called Half Nelson, which it's uh, a 1985 album that's all uh, duets with Willie Nelson and he duets with a bunch of different people. And and one of the people that he duets with on this album is Julio Iglesias. And yeah. they do To All the gir Girls I Love Before, which in my opinion is not a particularly good song in the arrangement in the instrumentation is not particularly good because it's like an orchestra and it's not the kind of thing that i normally would think you know i would hear it and go yeah all right that's fine cool is it over yet but for some bizarro reason that that vocal duet with him and julio iglesias just worked and you know i want you you won't ever hear me say oh it's you know it's this great thing because it's not, but it was interesting, and it worked. And, and it sold millions. It did, but, you know, I, what What actually, I mean, what genre is Julio Iglesias, man? He's, he's like, what, like Spanish? Spanish. Well, I got that, man, but, I mean, it's like easy listening. Like <laughs> He's like he's like a Spanish Inglebird Humperdinck or something, right? Yeah, he really is. I, I was about to say Wayne Newton. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, you know, and you, you're thinking of Willie Nelson and you're thinking, you know, honeysuckle rose and and I saw that and I was like, Oh, this can't be anything but bad, man. I mean, this is straight out uh, of like a bad Frankenstein idea. But know? that whole half Nelson album was good. <laughs> it it really was, man, which uh you know, I had always really liked Willie Nelson's stuff and, and anyway, too. but I mean it I, that album gave and in that duet in particular man gave me a newfound respect for his ability to perform with anybody and make it work because in theory and on paper that shouldn't work <laughs> in theory and on paper in theory and on paper that should not have worked oh, wow okay and then uh you know what i'm just gonna say uh i'm i'm gonna say clint eastwood and ray charles again <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's how bad that was I'm going to put it on the list twice. say it again twice <clears throat> right okay who's next uh, Patrick's the last one. Uh, oh yeah I'm the I'm the I'm the fourth slice of bread on the caboose. this qu quadruple deck uh, club sandwich well um, which one's the ham <laughs> I think it's wait it's all, all, I, think all I think all of us are the ham <laughs> And, and and Pat yeah. and Pat's also the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly well, no white I, bread involved. That's for sure. I, that's me. I have to say. I have to say. I think my uh, my uh, computer was listening to last week's podcast because <laughs> as soon as as soon as you said uh, this week's topic, I I got back on my iMac and I was, you know, hanging out online, minding my own business, just reading through my favorite QAnon subreddits. And uh and up popped 
from 1969. Billy, do I need to give you a second to catch your breath? That's, <laughs> That's perfect. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Up popped in my feed from 1969, the Andy Williams show. Yeah. Andy Williams and Aretha Franklin doing Gentle on My Mind. Oh. That was just, just a couple of hours oh. after no. we... After we I'm did really gonna last need week's that show, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah," and not to not to play the youth card again, but those TV variety shows in the '60s and early '70s were just loaded with these unlikely pairings, often often uh, incredibly mismatched. And it's great that you got that, I, you know. And I, I mean, and I don't remember that particular show, but. I mean, that particular episode. But, yeah, I do remember all those weird mismatches of, of yeah, of the Andy Williams and guys like that trying to do pop songs. Yeah. I mean, I mean pop songs from them. Anyway, go ahead. That I, I somewhere have a copy from, uh, damn, what was the uh, – Lawrence Welk and the singers on his band doing one toke over the line. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You can see yeah. that on oh, you. you can oh, see that that's hilarious. Oh, oh, my gosh. That old bird ship. Yeah. And he describes it as a modern day spirit. Yeah. Uh -huh. That is, that one is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, Pat. Thank you, Sissy and Bobby. So I, I, I tried to stick to strictly uh, vocal collaborations. And as soon as I saw that Andy Williams and Aretha thing, I was like, this is a this is a rabbit hole I could tumble down and never come out of. <laughs> so I got away from that. But I did do a little bit of research, and these are in no order except my number one is going to be last. Um, speaking of the Muppets, y'all might want to put you might you might want to put on your jocks and your cups. <laughs> Alice no, Cooper. Alice Cooper and the Muppets doing Schools Out. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and uh, I, I think pa I think Patrick just won the internet. For that. <laughs> yeah, he won the internet. <laughs> you won the internet, Pat. <laughs> and Buff, you drove by this one, but I, I it's it's kind of obvious, but I got to mention uh, Girl from the North Country on Nashville Skyline. Yeah, Dolan and Cash. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Here's one. You know, I think this might be the first time we don't have any overlap whatsoever, except for uh, Dylan and Cash. Because here's one you guys never would have thought of, and I just found it this morning. I didn't know it existed. It's I Got You, Babe. With Cher and Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead. I would buy a ticket to that concert. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead put out a record when Beavis and Butthead were a thing. And that's the, back when I was critiquing and I was getting free records. And it was like all these different bands that you might have seen on the Beavis and Butthead show, including Nirvana doing their great lost track, I Hate Myself and I Want to Die, which proved sadly to be prophetic. But Beavis and Butthead start I Got You, Babe. And they're like, this sounds like a warrant song. <laughs> and then Cher comes in like halfway through and it's really kind of fun. Cool. You know, these 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 vocal duets, oftentimes, if we're not talking about Willie and Waylon and Ray Charles and whoever, 
tend to be novelties or curiosities. Right. So that's just kind of what led me uh, in that direction. And uh, last that was but not a good least, good choice, man. That that was an excellent choice. Uh, last yeah. but not least, this is this is a sincere choice. Hunger Strike by Temple of the Dog with Ed Vedder and uh, Chris Cornell. Yeah, another mismatched vocal pairing. I mean, Ed Vedder is a very very powerful vocalist in his own right, a little but bit, he's yeah. <laughs> he's he's not Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell had it all. And Vetter had just moved from San Diego to Seattle to try out with Pearl Jam. Mother Love Bone had gotten their deal, and then their singer uh, overdosed. Andrew Wood. Leading, yeah, leading to uh, this, this record, which is just, uh, the whole album is great, but the single, Hunger Strike, is perfect. And it's, uh, it's, it's incredible vocal performance by both of them. You were talking about the variety shows. Uh, that reminded me of something I saw. Johnny Cash had a show like that in the late 60s. That was mm-hmm. great, yeah. D- Dylan was on the show. Yeah, well, what... So were the monkeys. Y- y- y'all talking about Everybody that? Everybody was on that show. So, so was Cream and Johnny mm-hmm. Cash. And Derek and the Dominoes. Well, and Johnny Cash set in with Cream. And, yeah. and corded through Sunshine of Your Love on, yep. an, acoustic, on an acoustic Martin guitar. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that's an interesting pairing, even though it wasn't a vocal pairing exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, yeah, we should do an episode just on those old variety shows. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. They um, you just talking about the Cash Show. I remember reading about that. It was um, when Linda Ronstadt was on there when she was at her ultimate hottest, wearing her little mini dress and everything. June Carter got really bent out of shape. <laughs> She said, "Okay, she, now when uh, you say been out of shape, you mean angry, or you mean like she got angry? Angry? She got angry. Like they, 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 like they she got her. angry because she found okay. out somebody told her that Linda didn't wear underwear, and um, she was sitting up there with John, you know, singing and everything like that, and it, without you know, underwear, without underwear in a miniskirt, and uh, she just basically laid into Linda and got all, you know, and." just jumped all over or whatever but you know jealousy is a fickle beast what can you say and uh you can say don't wear a miniskirt all i know is once i heard that story i just couldn't get it out of my mind of Uh, her exactly of linda ronstadt with no here's the thing i had never heard that story till just now and it was still always in my mind (laughs) (laughs) well okay um you're behind the curve a little bit did you uh I live behind the curve. To say the truth. Did uh, Patrick? Did you finish? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, good. We're uh, we're running out of time. Uh, I uh, I have a mission for you guys for next week. Yeah, sure. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, great. Uh, the greatest uh, rock and roll movies. Oh wow! Documentary, concert, or movies that have rock and roll in them. You know, like like Roadie, like Roadie, which was a terrible movie, but it has some good. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was not a good movie. But I don't know, man. Can you really? 
Can you really say that that's anything starring Meatloaf is a bad movie? Well, Meatloaf. Meatloaf and Alice Cooper and Blondie and all. I mean, I, we sat through it like uh, four times. Who was the uh, Who was the actress in there? Um, in Roadie? Yeah. Oh gosh, I know Art Carney was in it. Um, Alvin Crow. Alvin Crow. Yeah. Uh, that actress's last name is Hunter. What, Holly it's, Hunter? No, not anybody near that big. She, she wasn't in it. I haven't seen Was that shot in Austin? Around it was Austin, shot in yeah. Texas, yeah. Yeah. Was it, was it, was it that, oh, was it that woman that was in Porky's? Yeah, uh, is her, her first name's like Khaki. Khaki, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was in and, and I always confuse her with PJ Souls, who was the lead in Rock and Roll Oscar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, also another, in Stripes. Another Academy, another Academy Award worthy movie. That Absolutely, was Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about how about we exclude concert films? Because that could be a whole other episode. Yeah, that should be a different episode, man. What you say, concert we, films? Yeah, yeah no no concert films. Oh, just rock and roll movies. Yeah. But uh, or documentaries or, or, bi- or biopics bio are all right, and documentaries are okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think still a, a lot to play with. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's what she said. Come on, man! You knew I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, boy. Get that man another bottle of tequila. Uh. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! And some more oxy. Nah, man, that oxy makes me itch too bad. I tell you what, I've noticed helps the tequila crush a vi- uh, Vicodin up in the bottle. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> this is a disclaimer on behalf of the Kudzu Radio Hour. We do not in, we do not advocate yeah. the use uh, of drugs or, or alcohol, alcohol or tobacco or you tobacco. Know, this, has been, this has been great, but I need to get to my NA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Well, uh, are we clear? We're uh, well. We're getting ready to clear. We're gonna say uh, adios till the sun sets on the sage. Yeah, exactly. I'll see you guys with that next week. Yeah, we'll do it. All right, later. Jealousy 
from the Bob Dylan 30th Anniversary Live Concert way back in, I believe it was 1992, if I'm not mistaken. My Back Pages with uh, Dylan himself, Neil Young, Tom Petty, Roger McGuinn, George Harrison, and Eric Clapton, and a cast of thousands. That's a good one right there. It's going to wrap up a uh, another episode of the Kudzu Radio Hour for today. I want to thank my partners in crime, Billy and Jim and Pat. And uh, we had, we always have just a great time. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Please write us and let us know. Drop us a line at kudzumag at yahoo.com. 
let us know what you think. The program, of course, is brought to you by the the uh, the band, the cool, ultra cool band, the Box Masters from Los Angeles, California. Well, that's where they're based. But that lead singer drummer was originally from Alpine Valley, Arkansas. He's a good old Southern boy. The Box Masters, man, their new album is Light Race, getting great reviews all over the place. You're gonna, they've already released one single from it, Breathe Easy, and the uh, just released a new single called Light Race. The album release got pushed back a little bit because of the COVID, but it's coming out. It's coming out very soon. As I say, it's called Light Rays, and you're going to want it. It's going to be available on not only on CD and downloads, but on really cool vinyl. And, you know, if you're like me, you like the vinyl and the big record sleeves with liner notes and everything. I, I do. I love it. And the Boxmasters are really good about doing that, so that's really cool. Um, Light Rays by the Boxmasters. Be sure and visit their website at theboxmasters.com and follow them on social media on Facebook and on Instagram and uh, the Instagram is uh, theboxmasters official just look for that and you can find it JD uh, Andrew does a fine job of posting all kinds of cool pictures and everything programs also brought to you by our friends at Springer Mountain Farms Springer Mountain Farms, fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Get more information or order online at SpringerMountain.com. That's SpringerMTN.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, it also tastes great. Absolutely. Bypass all the other chicken in the market and look for that Springer Mountain Farms logo uh, and uh, get you some. That's all I can say. Get you some. Really good. Don't forget to look for issue number 39 of Kudzu Magazine. It's all over the internet. You can go to kudzumag.com and check it out. And that's about it. So... Without further ado, we're going to head out of here, and we'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And uh, that's going to wrap it up. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind.